Good morning. This morning, our scripture will come from Ephesians chapter 3, and I'll be reading verses 14 through 21. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. 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 You may be seated. This this morning, my my wife uh, made me aware that um, the only thing standing between you and and lunch is me. And so, um, so if, if you know, if, if the pressure wasn't already on, I had to go back, scratch out a couple of pages, so so that I can get you out on time. Um, particularly, I, I pick this passage to to speak to you from because it touched my heart in a way that allowed me to that made me examine my prayer life. Um, here Paul is praying for the Ephesians, and if you, you're familiar with Ephesians, it is talking about how we have been chosen and we have been redeemed, and it refers to us as adopted children. Yeah, yeah. And, so, and so Paul decides that he needs to pray for us. And, and if you look at, at chapter 2, you, you will really understand why he's deciding to pray for us. In Ephesians chapter 2, he points out that we are, are dead in our trespasses and sins. We walk the course of this world. We walked according to the passions of our flesh. We carried out the desires of our body. Uh, we were children of wrath. Not children of God. We were children of wrath. And he says he gave us life when we were dead. He united us to Christ. We can all come to the Father. Through the same Holy Spirit, no longer are we strangers and foreigners. We are all members of God's family. Ephesians 3.12 says, because of Christ, we can now come boldly in his presence. And so as we transition, understanding our new position as adopted children and, and, and having a holy heavenly Father, still having our old sinful nature, Paul says, I need to pray. And I get on the knees to my father, our father, to pray for you. And so this morning, I'll be brief. I just want to highlight the three things that Paul prays. First, he prays that you have strength in your inner man. Second, he prays that you would know the love of Christ. And third, he prays that you would be filled with the fullness of God. And it's these prayers... That allowed me to be a little bit convicted in my own prayer life. Because if you examine things, right, if you, if you consider 
that if you put life's issues in three categories, you've got this indirect category of things that happen in the world that frustrate me and make me sad, but maybe don't have a direct influence on me, right? You, you, can, you can take into consideration, like, maybe the war in Ukraine, we struggle with, it bothers us. Maybe, you know, if somebody is, you know, we've had a, over the last couple of years, we've had issues where people have been mistreated by the police and it's been national and we struggle with that. And you've got those indirect issues. And then if you put things in a different category, you've got those direct issues, the things that are directly affecting me and my relationships, arguments with a family member or problems at work that are directly affecting me. And then finally, if you take this last category over here, you've got these the, the personal things that I'm dealing with internally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Questioning myself as a dad. Yeah. Wrestling with whether I'm a good husband. Mm-hmm. Am I giving the most, the best that I can on my job? Yeah. Right? If you put all those things in those three categories, that I, you know, and I think about all those things, without Christ, I'm tempted to get frustrated. And as an adopted child, I want to go back to my orphan ways. Mm-hmm. Orf, orphans, orphans don't think they're worthy. Yeah. Orphans, our orphan mentality says, I don't have a heavenly father who loves me and wants me to run to him. And so what I'll do is I'll result to going back to what I'm used to doing. Yeah. I'll go back to my old life. And for this reason, Paul says, no, no, I'm going to pray for you. Yeah. And so the first thing he says is, I'm going to pray that you be strengthened with power through the Holy Spirit in your inner man. Yeah. First, let's talk about the outer man, the physical, right? He specifically says the inner, but let's make sure we understand the outer man, the physical, right? It's, it's our outer appearance, and, and as God has given you this outer appearance, yes, you should be a good steward of it as well. You should take care of it. You should feed it. It should be healthy, the whole nine yards. You should take care of it as a good steward. But it's not more important than the inner man. The inner man is for this life. And the next. And so Paul says, for this reason, I'm going to pray for you in your inner man. The inner man is the way we think and our desires. As adopted children who have been brought into this family, we must pray. We must pray to put off the old, as the Bible tells us. We must pray to put on the new. We pray to fight against temptation. We pray to have a heart that wants to develop disciples. We pray that we would have a heart that loves what God loves and hates what God hates. It sounds familiar. If you think of the third petition in the Lord's Prayer, thy will be done. Mm -hmm. The Westminster Confession puts it this way. What it means by thy will be done is that by grace make us able and willing to know, do, submit to his will in all things with like humility. Cheerfulness, faithfulness, diligence, zeal, sincerity, constancy, as the angels do in heaven. If that's what it means, I understand why Paul prays. Because naturally, I don't want to do that. Naturally, that's not what I want to do. And I can't do it without him. So Paul is praying, I pray you have strength in your inner man. We must set our minds to pursue the things of God. Paul is praying that God will give us the strength to do that because without his strength, we cannot. What reason does he pray this? He tells us in this passage, 
so that Christ may dwell in your hearts. This, this uh, over the last two or three weeks, um, over the last two or three weeks, there's a lady at work. She's an uh, older lady who's been talking to me about, Fred, you don't have any health issues now, but before you get to that point, you need to start making some life changes in order to, when you get there, you can minimize, you can kind of mitigate the risk. So she's been talking to me about eating, and she challenged me. She said, you, you need to start eating better foods. And so I took her up on it. I said, okay, I'm going to do it. Uh, she, she says, uh, I got these times that I can eat. I can only eat between certain times. I've got certain foods that I can eat. And, and I've been doing this for about two or three weeks, and I've seen, seen some results. But I will tell you, I have figured out that I am not a, a moderation person. <laughs> I am a radical amputation. And what I mean by that is if the food is there, I'm going to eat it. So I have to stay away from it. And, and because I am, am I'm really trying to do this thing, it has affected every aspect of my life. Yeah. For 40 years, uh, I've been going to my grandmother's house. I give her a hug and a kiss, and I go right to the kitchen. Because she's got something in there. Her, her cabinets look like the candy aisle at CVS. And she's, all, and, and, and she's always going to be cooking something. right? And I go in there and eat. Well, over the last couple of weeks, I hadn't gone inside. I meet her out on the porch because I know if I go inside, I'm going to want to eat something. I'm going to want to do that at work. I'm not going to lunch with everybody anymore. I'm not going to go to Jim and Nick's and y'all get ribs and I'm sitting there eating a salad. And so I'm taking my lunch. Treasure's been trying to get me to take my lunch for 18 years. And now because I'm trying to do this thing, I'm taking my lunch. And you can see the effects on my credit card bill. You don't, you don't see Chick-fil-A itemized a lot anymore. You don't see that anymore. What I'm illustrating to you is that when I've committed to this, it has affected every part of my life. It's affected my finances. It's affected the decisions that I make. It's affected the people that I hang out with and what I do with them. What Paul is saying here is that I'm praying for strength in your inner man so that Christ may dwell in your hearts. What does that mean? That it will affect every aspect of your life. Yeah. You're, making, you're making decisions, simple decisions, based on your relationship with Christ and the fact that you are united with him. Yeah. And Paul is saying, I'm praying that you will be strengthened in your inner man so that Christ would dwell in your hearts. It should affect every part of our lives. And this is how we should pray for each other. We should pray for each other that you, that Christ would dwell in your hearts and it would affect every aspect of your life. His influence is the result of a union. It should be felt. If you have that union with Christ, it should be felt. Not just by you, but by all those around you. If you are in a relationship with him, if you are united with him, is he dwelling within you? It should be felt. It should be impactful. And Paul is saying, I'm praying for strength in your inner man so that Christ may dwell in you. Point number two that Paul prays. Paul is saying, I would pray that you would comprehend the love of Christ. I'm praying that you would comprehend the love of Christ. What better way? To understand somebody's love than by their sacrifice, than by their commitment, than by their suffering. Every one of us, if I was to sit down with each and every one of you and I was to ask you, tell me somebody in your life 
that loved you so much and tell me what they endured in order that you could feel loved. Every one of you could tell that story. You would either tell it about your mother or your father. Some people in here may be raised by single mothers, know what it's like, and she sacrificed, and she, you know, she worked two jobs, and then she still had time to come to your games. Every one of you would have that story. For me, it's my grandmother. When my mother died when I was nine, my grandmother stepped right in the gap and, and just took over. And she, and she loved me as if I was her own son. And I know it was hard for her because she was struggling with the fact that she had just lost her child. And I could sit here, I could take the rest of the day and I can recount all the things that she struggled with in order to make sure that I didn't struggle. And every one of you probably has a story just like that. Well, Paul is saying, listen, I'm praying that you would understand the love of Christ that same way. We should be able to think through how much he loves us and it should impact us. Isaiah 52, 14 says, as many were astonished that his appearance was so marred beyond human semblance and his form beyond that of of children of mankind. Matthew 26, 56 says, then all the disciples left and abandoned him. Second Corinthians 5, 21 uh, he, he made him to be, who knew no sin to be sin. First John 2, 2. The weight of the whole world was on his shoulders. He is the propitiation of our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. I don't want to lose you in that word propitiation. It's a big church word, but I want you to understand it means wrath-bearing substitute. It, it, it means that, he, that God's wrath was spent. It wasn't just put over here off to the side. Right. For, for some people in my age group, sometimes we think of Jesus Christ and his suffering. We think of it like, uh, you know, that Mario Brothers game. Whenever Mario would start blinking, you know, nothing bad would happen to him and he could just go through the whole board. It's not like that. It's not like that. He felt it. The wrath was spent. Wrath bearing substitute. Philippians tells us that though he was born in the form of God, he did not count it. Equality with God, a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he was humbled. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Telling us even though he was not sinful, he died a criminal's death. He wasn't a criminal. Finally, in Matthew, they stripped him of his clothes placed a crown of thorn on his head. He was mocked. They spit on him. Even the robbers who were crucified mocked him. Matthew 5, 27 says he saved us. He, he can, uh, excuse me, Matthew 5, 27 says he saved others. He cannot save himself. He is the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and we will believe him. He didn't come down. He stayed. He could have come down. He stayed. In my sinful, ignorant, Hollywood-controlled brain, I remember watching the Passion of Christ for the first time and watching him get beat. And in my sinful heart, and and I'm sitting there thinking, man, please, where's the point where people come in and they rescue him and he he shoots his way out and everybody's in and and he saves himself? And I had to remind myself that this is a depiction of a real life event where the hero dies for the villains. He didn't. He stayed. 
He could have come down, but he stayed. Why did he stay? He stayed for you. He's hanging on that cross, breathing himself to death. Breathing himself to death. He could have come down, but he stayed for you. He wants you to know the love of Christ. To know it, you gotta, you got to think through what he suffered for you. One of my favorite songs, Above all, Christ laid behind the stone. Crucified, laid behind the stone. You lived to die, rejected and alone. Like a rose, trampled. You took the fall and thought of me above all. He did it for you. And what Paul is doing, and and this is why I'm so convicted because I've never prayed this before, but what Paul is saying is, I'm praying that you would know the love of Christ. Because everything springs from that. When you understand how much he loves you, how great it is, you will never comprehend it. But you can look to understand it more and more each day. And when you grow to understand it, it can't do anything but affect you. It can't do anything but stir up in your heart a desire to live a life pleasing to him. And so of all the things Paul could pray, he's praying, I pray you have strength in your inner man. And I pray that you know the love of Christ. And finally, point number three, Paul prays, I pray that you will be filled with the fullness of God. This goes back to the original design. Right? Originally in Genesis 1.27, when, when God's creating everything, he decided to make us after his own kind. He made us like him in his image. We got his, we received his communicable attributes. Not his, not his incommunicable attributes. We're not immutable. We're not omnipresent. We're not omniscient. We didn't get those things. But we, we, he made us in his image, meaning we're holy. We're righteous. Uh, we have goodness, love, mercy, compassion. And so what Paul is saying is, I'm praying that you be filled with that fullness that you had before sin. Before the fall. That you would have that again before the fall. He made us after his kind so that we can have relationship with him. Everything else he made after its own kind. But when he got to us, he said, no, I want to be in relationship with this one. I want to have direct communion with this one. And what better way to do that than to make somebody like you? We do that naturally. We flock to the people that are like us. Right? If there's a group of people sitting over here talking about football and a group of people over here talking about artwork, I'm going to go sit over here with this group. Because we're going to have a lot more to talk about. I'm just going to tell you. And, and that's, that's what God wanted. And so Paul is praying, I'm praying that you would be filled with the fullness of God. When you're filled with God's fullness. When you are striving after recognizing that he has set you free, you're no longer a slave to sin, so you can pursue after these things. When you're doing that, the things of the world become less important. They're just not as important anymore. A lot of times I have to, I have these moments where I have to recalibrate and, and because I feel like my life is centered around my job. And everything else is kind of on the side. Everything else is kind of on the side. Praying that we would be filled with godly, with the fullness of God, puts Christ at the center. And everything else is on the side. Pursuing these things. 
you know, self, just my confession is this is not these things that he's listing here are not my priority. And I feel like Paul knows, hey, it's not going to be the priority for you adopted children. That's why I'm praying this. That's why I'm praying that it would be your priority. Paul is telling us that he want, we should be chasing after God's communicable attributes and strive to exemplify them in our lives. It's a matter of putting others before ourselves. Pursuit of these qualities is the proof of a regenerate heart and that Christ is in you. Colossians 1.19 tells us that in him the fullness of God dwells. Well, if Christ dwells in me, then the fullness of God would also dwell in me. It's there. And Paul is praying, I'm praying that you would be filled with that fullness. And finally, I'll end with this. Once again, in my ignorance, I've heard this said at the end of of sermons probably my whole life, known as the doxology. Verse 20, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. I'd never read the part before the doxology. I'd never read the doxology. I just heard the preacher say it from up here. But when you read the parts before it and all the things that Paul is praying for, He's praying for some things that in ourselves is impossible. That we would be strengthened in our inner man. That we wouldn't be weak to the world. That that we would know the love of Christ. And that we would be filled with the fullness of God. On my own, those things are impossible and greater than I would even think or ask. That's why Paul starts it off by saying, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than we can ask or think. Yes, these things seem difficult, but you have, as an adopted child, you have a heavenly father that can give you those things. He's given you a new heart. He's given you a desire. He has set you free. You are redeemed. You are his. Anytime that we struggle with these things, it's because sometimes we allow those things of the world to uh, allow us to have a mindset of an adopted child. Um, Excuse me, of of um, of an orphan child. We're not orphans. We're not orphans. And we should keep that in our minds that we have a a father who loves us and wants to be in a relationship with us. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Paul and and, and his prayers for us. Lord, I pray today for everyone in here, for each individual, that we, would, that we would all be strengthened in our inner man. That we would not be frustrated by the struggles of this world, Lord. That it would not distract us from seeking you. I pray, Lord Jesus, that in our quiet times, in our, in our times alone, in our times going to church, that we would make ourselves available to the means of grace so that we can know the love of Christ. And finally, Lord Jesus, I pray that we can be filled, as Paul prays, with the fullness of God. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today, and we pray that you've been blessed. 
For more information about our church, we invite you to either visit our website at harvestcpc.com or call us at 205-853-5033. Until next time, be blessed.